وبالله التوفيق. All praises to Allah. All praises to Allah. All praises to Allah who guided us to this, who guided us to Iman and to Islam and to His Mubarak house on this Mubarak hour of this Mubarak day. And we were not to be guided, was it not that Allah had guided us? O oh Allah, to His praises is commensurate with the majesty of your countenance and the greatness of your authority. O oh Allah, we do not limit you with any praise we can come up with ourselves. Rather, we admit that you are the only one who knows the true extent of your praiseworthiness. And may the peace and blessings of Allah Ta'ala be upon His servant and messenger. Our master Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, may the peace and blessings of Allah Ta'ala be upon him and upon his noble companions and upon his pure wives and upon his Mubarak family and progeny and upon all of those who follow all of their way until the Day of Judgment. Allah Ta'ala says in a very simple ayah of the Qur'an, O you who believe, uh, let every uh, uh, fear Allah Ta'ala and let every soul look to what it has prepared for tomorrow and fear Allah. Indeed Allah is all-knowing of that which you do. And don't be like those who are heedless of Allah's remembrance, for He allowed them to forget themselves. Those are the people of fisk, those are the people of profligacy and of open sin. Brothers and sisters, there is an incorrect understanding that many religious people have in our community which is that they don't plan for tomorrow. They don't think about what's going to happen tomorrow. And they consider this to be from tawakkul, from trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there could be nothing further from trusting in Allah ta'ala than not thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow. It's well known that the first hadith of Sahih Bukhari is All actions will be based on their intentions. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said what? He said, all actions will be judged according to their intentions. Meaning what? Every human being has something or another that they intend to happen from what they do. And that intention, that niyyah, that projection into the future, that thought about the future, that is what the action is going to be judged based upon. To the point where it's mentioned that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, niyatul mu'mini khairun min amalihi. That the intention of the believer has, the good intention of the believer is better with Allah Ta'ala than even the action itself. So the idea that a person is going to just waddle through life and then call that trusting in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, this is not trust in Allah Ta'ala. Trust in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is what? That you have a purpose in your life and that you know what that purpose is and that purpose then guides the actions that you do today, because you want something tomorrow, whatever it is you want tomorrow, that guides and informs and it influences what you do today and the choices that you make today. You don't have a life in this world forever and there's a great wisdom in that. You don't have a life in this world forever and there's a great wisdom in that because it means that you have certain things that you can do in your life and you have to prioritize the things that are most important, you have to prioritize and you have to get them done. And there's a hadith of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, which is widely misinterpreted by people. And when I say it's misinterpreted, I don't say that my opinion is different than the opinion of other people and mine is right and theirs is wrong. Rather, we look in the shuruhat, we look in the commentaries of the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, that are handed down generation by generation from, the, from our aslaf and from the great ulama of this ummah. And then we match them up against what we hear people saying in the street. And we find that they're very different. 
The hadith of the Prophet وسلم, is what? Is that a person should live in this world as if they live forever and they should live for this world as if they would live forever and they should live for the hereafter as if they were going to die tomorrow. And the common, uh, the common interpretation that we hear from preachers nowadays in Masajid across this country is what? Is that you should plan for this world and establish yourself in this world as if you were going to live in this world forever. Uh, and then at the same time, you should also fear Allah Ta'ala and you know, live your spiritual life as if you could have died tomorrow. And the fact of the matter is, this is not what our, uh, this is not what our forefathers, this is not what our great ulama of this ummah uh, had mentioned the meaning of this, uh, the meaning of this hadith is. This is not the meaning that, that, that was understood by the companions or by the uh, tabi'in or by our aslaf. Because, you know, a flag should go off in someone's head because both of them are not possible at the same time. They're two very different mindsets. They're mutually exclusive. They're not possible at the same time. The meaning that comes from our forefathers is what? Is live in this world as if you're going to live forever, meaning what? Those things that you consider a priority of this world, you should feel okay in procrastinating them. If your car is not the best car in the world, but you can still get around in it, instead of buying a new car today, you can buy it next week, it's fine. If you're going to redecorate, you know, and remodel your kitchen and get the granite countertops and get the, uh, uh, you know, the new uh, stove and the new microwave and all of these other things, if what you have right now works, if you procrastinate that, it's not a big deal, it's not a problem. But your salat, what? You don't procrastinate it. Your zakat, you don't procrastinate it. Paying your debts, you don't delay those things. Why? Because in the practice of your deen, in your spiritual practices, you practice as if you're going to die tomorrow. You prioritize those things. This is the meaning of this. This is the meaning of this hadith. And this is how both of those things can be possible at the same time. And again, it's not just me. You know, since you say oh, this fanatical preacher, he has his opinion and he's now shutting down what my understanding is. Brothers and sisters, I have no opinion of my own anyway. I have no opinion of my own anyway. It's not my salat. I'm not the one who made this salat five times a day at Fard. I'm not the one who, uh, you know, uh, says that you have to wash your feet in wudu. This is all of this comes from, from, from where? From Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And it's narrated in a chain of narration. Otherwise, we have our opinions with regards to deen as well and we keep them to ourselves. We, don't, we try not to share them with people from the minbar. Brothers and sisters, the idea is what? Is the wisdom in having just a limited number of days in your life is that a person has to then prioritize what's important to you because you cannot do everything. Michael Jordan cannot be both a basketball player, like a top class basketball player and a top class baseball player. He's going to have to spend his life doing one or the other. He's going to have to pick the one that's more dear to him. He's going to have to make a choice. And if Michael Jordan is not going to be able to be both a baseball player and a basketball player, it means that you and I also, we're not going to be able to do everything. We're not going to be able to do everything in life. We have to pick what's more dear to us. Otherwise, even the people of evil, they have some love for good inside of their hearts. It's just that they prioritize one over the other. And what's worse than a person who is evil and picks something bad and makes a, bad, a plan to do bad in their life is what? Is the person who picks nothing at all. And that person will go through their life and through the days of their life with no aim, with no point, with no plan. Understand this, hear it well and understand it. Especially uh, our uh, younger brothers and sisters who, inshallah, have most of their lives ahead of them. 
If you don't have a plan in your life, chances are you're going to become a tool in somebody else's plan. If you don't have a plan in your life, chances are you're going to be a tool in somebody else's plan. If you don't serve your plan, you're going to end up becoming a servant of somebody else's plan. You only get one life one way or another. And to not make a plan itself is a plan. It's a choice and you will abide by that choice. You will not be able to say on the day of judgment, I didn't know what I was doing. You knew exactly what you were doing when you didn't make a plan, when you wasted the days of your life. You have to make a, you have to make a plan for tomorrow. You have to make a plan not just for tomorrow, as in like the literal tomorrow, as in like uh, Saturday, the, the 4th of January. means what? Let every soul look for what it is prepared for tomorrow means what? It means next year, it means 10 years from now, it means 50 years from now, it means 100 years from now, it means 1,000 years from now. Now someone might say, Shaykh, how am I going to make a plan for 1,000 years from now? MashaAllah, we have some very do talented doctors in the, uh, in, the, uh, in the congregation, but chances are they're probably not going to uh, find a way to help you live for a thousand years. And it seems like Allah Ta'ala is not going to decree that you have a life for a thousand years. What does, this, what does this mullah mean when he says, make a plan for a thousand years from now? What do you want your legacy to be a thousand years from now? Would you like that there are, you know, if the dunya is still around at that time, that there are children from your progeny that should make dua for you, and that they should be Muslims? If the answer is yes, and you're not married, you should probably think about how you're going to get married. That's part of planning for a thousand years from now. If you want to, to make dua for you, and not be, uh, you know, uh, uh, having an eggnog under the mistletoe, then you should probably think about how is it that we're going to preserve Islam and their lineage. If you want them to die on Iman, you should probably think about how is it we're going to preserve Islam and their lineage. People ask me, Shaykh, what's the point of having uh, my kid memorize the Quran? I said one of the best, one of the best and one of the brightest and one of the most wonderful uh, results of having a, a child, a son or a daughter who is a hafiz or hafizah of the Quran is what? Is that if they memorize the Quran, statistically there's a far higher chance that they're going to die in Iman no matter what happens in their life. These are what? These are part of a person's plan. A person makes a plan if they want a desired outcome. If you want something a thousand years, if you want to be uh, getting hasanat a thousand years from now, then maybe it's more important to build a masjid than it is to redecorate, uh, uh, redecorate your kitchen. Because your kitchen is not going to do a whole lot for you a thousand years after you're dead. My father is a real estate agent. He's about the furthest thing from a uh, scholar of deen that a person can get. But he is a pious man inside. Uh, and we think well of him. He says this, he says that I've bought and sold houses for people over decades and decades. He says it's like the house is the master and the person is the slave. Because I see people, they move into a house, the house is in decrepit condition, they'll move into it, they'll make it nice and then they'll die. And then somebody else will move into that house, they'll make it even nicer and then they'll die. And then I'll sell the house to somebody else and they'll move into the house and they'll invest more money and then they'll die. The house keeps benefiting and the people keep dying. Brothers and sisters, that tomorrow it's going to come one way or the other. And by the way, when we say build a masjid, we're not talking about like, you know, um, yes, if you have the wherewithal to build it from the ground up, that's wonderful, alhamdulillah, you can name it after mother or whatever, and you can put your own name on the plaque if you want to. Allah Ta'ala, it doesn't matter to Allah Ta'ala. 
It said that uh, uh, the battle of uh, Qadisiyah or Nihawanda, I forget which one, one of the major battles of the companions during the reign of Sayyidina Umar that uh, when the battle was going on, Sayyidina Umar was very uh, keenly uh, uh, and personally attached to the affairs of the Muslims. And so whichever side that battle was uh, happening on, the gate of Medina Munawwara faced that land. Uh, he would pace uh, back and forth uh, at that gate in order, to, in order to hear news of how the outcome came, what happened to the Muslims. And so when the Bashir, when the herald and bearer of glad tidings from the battle arrived in the Mubarak city of the Prophet and he gave the Bishara, the glad tidings of victory uh, uh, by the fadl of Allah Ta'ala for the Muslims to Sayyidina Umar the first question he would ask after that is what? Is who, who lost their life, who gave their life for the sake of Allah Ta'ala in this battle? And so the herald would tell him, so-and-so, the son of so-and-so uh, was a martyr in the path of Allah. So-and-so, the son of so-and-so was a martyr in the path of Allah Ta'ala. So-and-so, the son of so-and-so was a martyr in the path of Allah Ta'ala. وَخَلْتُمْ كَثِيرٌ لَا يَعْرِفُهُمْ أَمِيرُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ A great number of God's creation that the Amir al-Mu'mineen doesn't know what their name is. And Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu replied at that occasion, What does it harm them? مَاذَا يَضُرُّهُمْ what does it harm them that Allah knows who they are and Umar doesn't know who they are? So when I say build a masjid, that's fine. If you cannot build another like jamia and big dome and like all, you know, $100,000 chandelier and all that other great stuff, it's all good stuff. Then at least you should have a brick in the building if you cannot have the entire building. The thing you cannot do completely, you also don't have the uh, right, and there's no benefit to abandoning that thing completely. If you don't have your name on the plaque, it doesn't mean that you didn't help build a masjid. If you want, if you want reward on that, on that day, a thousand years from now, a thousand years from now, then you should maybe go buy that brick, put it in the wall, make arrangements for those things. This is the hukam, this is the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is one very interesting thing, that, that from the people of our community, many people are very cynical with regards to our community's ability to do time management. They say, oh look, you know, so-and-so is late, we're here on Muslim standard time. Our forefathers were not late to anything. If you want to be on time to something, you should be early, because if you try to be on time, you're going to be late. Our forefathers were not late to anything. They used to come to the masjid like murabiteen. They used to come to the masjid and stand firm. Just like they were not people who fled from battle, they would, uh, it was their honor to be in the front line in battle. Just like that, it was their honor to be uh, in the front line in the, in the salat and in the masjid. And this ihsan, this love of beauty and love of perfection spilled over into everything else they did. They, they, if they gave their word to somebody that they would be somewhere on time, they would be there on time, come hell or high water. But unfortunately, the habits of the Ummah seem to have slipped in certain places at certain times. It's not a big deal. We can rectify these things through training. We can rectify these things through practice. We can dedicate to be on time. If somebody has a complaint about the Muslims that these people are not good at being on time or not good at time management with regards to the micromanagement of time, with regards to the macromanagement of time, there is nobody who's better than this Ummah to this very day. Why? Because there may be a kafir who is able to come and go on time to their appointments. 
Maybe better than the average Muslim is. However, if you ask them, what do you want to be doing a thousand years from now? They have absolutely no idea. In fact, they'll have an anxiety attack just thinking about it. Whereas even the most disorganized and incompetent of the Muslims with regards to their micromanagement of time, that person, if you ask them, where do you want to be a thousand years from now? They will, without missing, skipping a beat, they will say, I want to be in Jannah. They know where they want to be. They know what their, their maqsid is. They know what the reason is that they're there. Brothers and sisters, if that's you, if you know where you want to be, if you know what you want to happen to you, on the day, that your Lord will come and the angels are arrayed in ranks, and all of the ummas will be there, and the mizan will be set up, the scale pans will be set up, and your hisab is about to happen, and you know how you want that to play out. Let every soul from amongst you, look, what did you prepare for tomorrow? And if there is not a whole lot, if it's not something that you feel like you would be a prou proud of, if the YouTube video of your life was played on that day, in front of all of the creation of God, the spirits and the angels and the animals, the insan, the jinn, the, 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 the ancient ones and the ones who will come near the end of time, if you don't like what that's going to play, you still have a chance to change that. And if you're not going to win the Imam Ghazali Award for Excellence in uh, Knowledge and Worship, if you're not going to be like the, the, the brightest of the superstars on that day, you know, having La ilaha illallah in your account, having five daily prayers in your account, having the fast of Ramadan in your account, having zakat in your account, you know, reading the Quran, you know, even if it's just one ayah every day on top of that. This is not something to be scoffed at, it's not something to be, something to be mocked. The Messenger of Allah described that day as what? As a day where the people will walk around like starving madmen. Looking for just one subhanallah, looking for just one uh, alhamdulillah, one Allahu Akbar, one la ilaha illallah. So your prayers, don't think that they're nothing. They're a big deal with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And further than that, your life is more than just prayer. And it's more than just ritual acts of worship. So for my brothers and sisters, young people, study your uh, lessons in school. Study your Qur'an lessons. Memorize as much as you can because the day will come where you're not going to be able to memorize anymore. You're going to have time to recite, but you won't have time to memorize. Study your math. Study your English. Do well in school, not just in order to get good grades and pass standardized exams. To actually have a brain that you can use later on in life. Because what's, there's very few things that are more debilitating and more harmful to a person's iman than stupidity is. And unfortunately, unfortunately, many of us, because we ourselves are uneducated people and we come from uneducated families, I myself like that. We think that education is knowing a number of facts. It's more about knowing how to think than it is knowing what to think. Develop those faculties in your, in, in your mind. Develop those faculties, quantitative analysis, rational analysis. Spend time on math. Don't be afraid of it and run away from it. People who don't make friends with, uh, with math, who don't make friends with science, they don't understand how the universe works. This is not good for your iman either. Make good habits for yourself. Take care of your body. Take care of your health while you still have it. 
Why? Because a day will come tomorrow where the habits that you make today, they're going to affect you. They're going to catch up with you. Those people who are partying, you know, you're in college, you're in high school, there are people who do things that we don't really like to talk about inside of the masjid that we don't like to talk about from the Jum'ah Khutbah. And they seem to be just fine right now. Trust me, all of those habits, they catch up with a person, they'll destroy a person one day. If you want to be a person who is going to be able to do good deeds, your body has to be there with you. Your mind has to be there with you. It's not just that you can pray Salat all day and you're going to be uh, just a great believer. If your mind is weak, it's going to affect your deen. If your body is weak, it's going to affect your deen. This is the chance that you have in order to develop these things, in order to keep these things in preservation. So that they can be like, like a, a car that your spirit, your ruh drives in order to get to the destination. This is the time that a person makes these plans. Pick a career, pick a school that you're going to study in, not based on what you're going to show off to other people. But based on what? Your career is not your destination. This is one of the things people have corporate jobs, they say this to me all the time. That the corporate job gives me a vision or gives you a vision of life that has only to do with the job. That after you do this, you'll get promoted to this, and then from there you'll get promoted to there. They'll never tell you anything that has to do with like anything valuable in your life. They'll give you all goals that have to do with what? Serving the corporation. And people will be like, oh, my, my job is awesome. We have like a fridge at work and it has like, you take as many Red Bulls as you want and have as much coffee and there's a Keurig over there and they have a popcorn machine and there's a gym that you can work out in and there's, you know, this, that and the other thing. I used to sell, you know, when I was in high school, I used to sell like shoes at Converse. I used to, you know, I used to have real menial type jobs. So I thought, oh, that sounds awesome. What is it? So you wake up in the morning over there, you'll go to sleep over there? So that you can uh, voluntarily enslave yourself for a free Red Bull? That's ridiculous. Those things, only people, the only people who fall for them are people who have no goal in their own life. Have your own goal and use the job in order to further your own goal because they're definitely using the work that you do in order to further theirs. If they pay you $100,000, you bet they're making $400,000, $500,000 a year off of the work that you do for them. Which is fine, it's wonderful, no problem. But they have their own goals, you should also have their own goals. If their plan stops in this dunya, brothers and sisters, your people of La ilaha illallah, your plan doesn't stop in this world, it doesn't stop after a hundred years or a thousand years. Rather your plan ascends to a place which is above the Sab'a Samawat, the seven heavens and the Arsh Azim, the magnificent throne of the Lord. It will live forever with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in glory and splendor and in honor forever and ever. It will never, it will be the sun that never sets. Don't blow it. Don't be like those who forgot Allah for He allowed them to forget themselves. Those are the people of profligacy. Those are the people of open sin. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from ever being amongst them in our minds and in our hearts or in our plans in this world and the hereafter. وَأَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ لِي وَلَكُمْ لِسَائِرِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ فَاسْتَغْفِرُوهُ إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله 